0: Chapter Thirteen of Cripps the Carrier by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen. Mr. Smith is Active. Mr. John Smith was a little upset at seeing the squire so put out, but he said to himself, It is natural, after all, it is natural. Poor old chap! He has taken it as well as could be expected. However, we must all live, and I feel uncommonly peckish just now. I declare I would rather have had something hot this weather, but in such a case one must put up with things. I wonder if they've got any horseradish. All frozen hard in the ground, I fear. No harm at any rate in asking. With this self commune he rang the bell, and Mary, by her mother's order, answered. I'll not go by the base, cried Widow Hookham, still indignant. Mary, like a good maid, laid the cloth without a syllable, and like a good young woman, took the keenest heed of Mr. Smith without letting him dream that she peeped at him. "'Thank you, Mary,' said Mr. Smith to open conversation. "'My mother's name is Mary,' she answered, "'and perhaps you would like some pickles?' "'By all means, as there is no horseradish, "'bring onions, gherkins, and walnuts, Mary, but above all things walnuts.' "'You must have what you can get,' said Mary. "'I will go and tell Master what you require.' "'On no account, Mary, on no account. "'He is gone away to pray, I believe. "'On no account disturb him.' "'Poor dear, I should hope not. "'Perhaps you can manage with what I have set before you.' "'I will do my best,' he answered. "'The scum of the earth,' said Mary to herself, "'good servants being the most intensely aristocratic of all the world. "'He never dined at a gentleman's table before, "'and his head is turned with it. "'Our kitchen is too good for him.' "'But poor master never heeds nothing now.' "'As soon, however, as Mr. Smith had appeased the rage of hunger, "'and having called for a glass of hot brandy and water, "'was clinking the spoon on it, "'the squire showed that he did heed something "'by coming back calmly to talk with him. "'Mr. Oglander had passed the bitterest hour of his long life yet, "'filled at every turn of thought with yearning to break down and weep. "'Sometimes his mind was so confused that he did not know how old he was.' but seemed to be in the long past days with his loving wife upon his arm and their gracie toddling in front of them. He spoke to them both as he used to do and speaking cleared his thoughts again and he shook away the dreamy joy and the blank forlorn of facts. At last he washed his face and brushed his silver hair and untended beard and half in the looking glass expected to see his daughter scolding him because he knew that he had neglected many things she insisted on. "'and his conscience caught him "'when he seemed to be taking a low advantage. "'I hope you have been treated well,' "'he said with his fine old-fashioned bow to Smith "'as he came back again. "'I do not often leave my guests "'to attend to themselves in this way. "'Do not apologize, squire, I beg you. "'I have done first chop, I assure you, sir. "'I have not tasted real mustard "'ground at home as yours is "'since I was up in Durham County "'where they never grow it. "'Well, Mr. Smith,' said the squire, trying to smile at his facetiousness, "'I am very glad that you have done well. "'In weather like this a young man like you must want a good deal of nourishment. "'But now, will you, will you tell me?' "'Yes, your worship, everything. "'Of course you are anxious, and I thoroughly enter into your feelings. "'There are none of the women at the door, I hope. "'Such things do not happen in my house. "'I will not interrupt you.' "'Very well, sir. Then sit down here. "'You must be aware in the first place, then, "'that I was not likely to be content with your way of regarding things. "'The Lord is a lord of the weather, of course, "'and does it without consulting us. "'Nevertheless he allows us also to do our best against it. "'So I took the bull by the horns, "'as John Bull, by his name, has a right to do. "'I just resolved to beat the weather and have it out with everything.' So I communicated with the authorities in London. You know we are in a transition state, a transition state at present, sir, between the old system and the new. Yes, yes, of course, I know all that. Very well, your worship. We are obliged, of course, to be doubly careful. In London we are quite established, but down here we must feel our way. The magistrates, saving your worship's presence, look upon this with dislike, as if we were superseding them. "'That will wear off, your worship, "'and the new system will work wonders.' "'Yes, so you all say, but now be quick. "'What wonders have you wrought, John Smith?' "'Well, I was going to tell your worship "'when you interrupted me. "'You know that story of Cripps the Carrier and his sister. Uh, "'What's her name?' "'Well, some folk believed it, and some bereaved it. "'I did neither of the two, "'but resolved to get to the bottom of it. "'Your worship was afraid, you remember?' Well then, let us say daunted, sir, or if you will not have it, we may say that you trusted in providence. It was not quite that, but still, Mr. Smith, your worship will excuse me. Things of that sort happen always, and the people are always wrong that do it. I trusted in providence once myself, but now I trust twice in my own self first and leave providence to come after me. (laughs) I speak my mind. No offense, your worship. Well then... This is what I did. A brave regiment of soldiers, having newly returned from India, was ordered to march from London to the land's end for change of temperature. They had not been supplied, of course, with any change of clothes for climate, and they felt it a little, but were exhorted not to be too particular. Two companies were to be billeted at Abington last evening, and having, of course, received notice of that, I procured authority to use them, They shivered so that they wanted work, and there is nothing your worship like discipline. Of course, I know that from my early days. Will you tell your story speedily? Sir, that's just what I'm doing. I brought them without many words to the quarry, where ten times the number of our clodhoppers would only have shoveled at one another. Bless my heart, they did work, and with order and arrangement. Being clothed all in cotton, they had no time to lose unless they meant to get frozen and it was a fine sight, I assure your worship, to see how they showed their shoulder blades, being skinny from the hot climate, their brown freckled arms in the white of the drift, and the Indian steam coming out of them. In about two hours all the ground was clear and the trees put away like basket work, and then we could see what happened exactly, and even the mark of the pickaxes. Every word of that girl was proved true to a tittle, I never heard finer evidence. We can even see that two men had been at work, and the stroke of their tools was different. You may trust me for getting up a case, but I see that you have no patience, Squire. We shoveled away all the fallen rock, and mold, and stumps, and firs' roots, and at last we came to the poor, poor innocent body, as fresh as the daylight. I can hear no more.' "'You have lost no child. "'If you have, perhaps you could spare it. "'Tell me nothing, nothing more, "'but prove that it was my child. "'Lord of mercy, your worship. "'Why, you are only fit to go to bed. "'Here, Mary, Mary, Ma- Mother Holcomb. "'Curse the bell, I have broken it. "'Your master is taken very queer. "'Look alive, woman, stir your stumps. "'A pot of hot water and a foot-tub.' "'Don't get scared. "'You will be all right. "'I always carry a fleam with me. "'I can bleed him as well as any doctor. "'Hold his head up, let me feel. Oh, "'He's not going to die just yet. "'Stop your caterwauling. "'There, I've relieved his veins. "'He will know us all in a minute again. "'He ought to have had a deal more spirit. "'I never could have expected this. "'I smoothed off everything so nicely, "'just as if it was a lady.' Did you indeed? I have heard every word," said Widow Hookham sternly. "You locked the door, or I would have had my ten nails in you long ago. Poor dear, what is a scum like you? And after all, what have you done, John Smith?" End of Chapter Thirteen.